Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our lesson this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 33. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Thank you, Paul. Sometimes the reading of storytelling in the gospel makes for a bit of a marathon for the reader. Thank you for putting up with that. As it was, I had to cut a little bit off the end of the story. We'll tell you what happened to the man in terms of community later on as we, we talk about what went on here. The disciples asked a question out of a very common misconception of the day, and in subtle ways it sometimes bleeds into our culture even today, although we don't necessarily overtly teach it. Rabbi, if this man was born blind, if he is so afflicted, it has to be the result of sin, right? That's what they believed then. If you had an ailment or especially an affliction like, like crippled or blind or any deaf, any of those things, well, somebody had sinned. Somebody was at fault. Somebody had aroused God's ire enough that God paid him back this way. Well, Jesus, some of the Pharisees say that, you know, the baby can sin in the womb and rebel even before birth. I don't get that one. Or if it wasn't the baby rebelling before birth, if he was already blind, then his parents sinned somehow. This is really punishment on their sin. And it does say that God doesn't forgive the sinner and visits, visits it on the second and third generation in parts of the Old Testament. Well, I took this quite literally. And Jesus said, you're not getting it. This isn't the point. This man was born blind, so there wasn't any question about how he got that way. He never could see. And God put him in the path of his son that God's glory might be displayed in him. He says, the light of the world. This man hasn't had light all his life. So he does something that in our day is kind of gross. He spits on the ground and makes some mud and puts it on a man's eyes. Now, Saliva of a special person, especially saliva while the person was fasting and all had rules about it, was actually considered to have medicinal purposes. There, to this day in some European cultures, grandma blessed the baby with a little bit of spit. Not just to wash off the leavings of lunch, that, that too, but there, there's still a blessing of a little bit of saliva. I know after the pandemic that really makes us recoil, but... For the day, Jesus was doing a symbol that would be expected of a healer, expected of one of God's prophet, and he sends him to a special pool. We mentioned Patrick as an engineer, the pool of Siloam. The water was what was sent because it was an almost 600-yard tunnel dug 100 feet down through solid rock to bring water from a spring into Jerusalem so that they couldn't be deprived of water during a siege. 
for that day with those tools to dig from both ends and meet in the middle was quite a feat. And they did it. They had a tunnel that was as narrow as two feet, but as high as six in most places, and the water would flow through into the pool where the water was sent, where the water was Siloam. So it had, had great significance for many years for people in Jerusalem. This is where he sends you. Here. Fix your eyes. Go wash off in this, this pool. It's got special meaning for our people. And he comes back. He doesn't run away. He comes back seeing. What do the neighbors do when God does something miraculous for people? Do they rejoice? Hope so. Do they scoff? Do they ask what other miracle might have intervened? When our daughter was cured of scoliosis when she was a young girl over the course of six months, the doctor went a little crazy. He said, what have you done to this girl? She took dance lessons. He said, that wouldn't do it. Carrying her upside down by her feet. No, we didn't do that. We prayed. The whole community prayed for her. He said, this doesn't happen. You got the x-rays, you got the girl in front of you, Doc. He says, I can't deny it. He wasn't a man of strong faith, so he was still looking for medical. He was still one of these, is this the same girl? In fact, he called the x-ray department and said, you sent me the wrong x-rays, this can't be the same girl. They double-checked, and they were. It's funny. Anyway, no, these are the same one. That's his twin. It's his cousin. Ah, he was faking it. I don't really know the guy. What happened to you? Jesus did the medical thing with the clay and said, go wash. I did, now I see. Well, where, where's this rabbi? I don't know. I came back looking for him. I haven't found him yet. So this challenges, of course, the the powers that be. Remember where it says the Jews, they mean the leadership. They mean the, the kind of narrow vision leadership of the synagogue that the churches ever do this today where a church gets confused and says, we got the only message right. I know some not too far from here. And if you don't focus on this particular book of the gospel or you don't focus on this particular message or you don't hear it the way we preach it, you ain't really got the message of Jesus. Well, they held the message of faith. The Pharisees held the rules of what was Sabbath, and on the Sabbath, the only healing you could do was if someone was dying, you could keep them from dying. You couldn't make them better. Anything beyond that was work. The man wasn't in danger of his life. It was a Sabbath, but Jesus remembers much greater commandments than you won't lift the finger on the Sabbath to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. And the God is gracious and merciful and Jesus is God. So he granted it. And they call him in. What happened? They can't find Jesus to question him. Maybe they don't quite dare. What happened to you? What really happened? Come on, fess up. What's the scam here? Is blind, and Eric didn't choose amazing grace for the prelude by accident. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Comes right from this gospel. He says, I was blind and I see. I don't believe it. Get his parents in here. Let's make sure he's blind from birth. They call the parents. No, parents are scared. 
Because if you answer wrong to a tribunal of synagogue, you are thrown out of the synagogue. You are excommunicated. All of the offerings, all the blessings, all the prayers of God, all the teaching, you're not welcome anymore. And in some communities, they take your property too because that belonged to the tribes of Israel. When they said cut off, they meant cut off. So they're saying, he was blind. How does he see? We don't know. He's an adult, go ask him. Get him in trouble, not us. So even his parents kind of dangled him out to dry a little bit. Well, how well do we stick by somebody in their faith? I think we all do. I hope we do. But is it tempting sometimes if someone is persecuted for, your, for their faith? Do you stand up and say, I'm with him, I'm with her? God bless her, she's right. Depends on the setting, doesn't it? So they call him back in again. They don't believe him. Give the glory to God, you. That's like binding him to an oath. We know he's a sinner. Why are you asking me again? I was blind, I can see. Okay, it was on the Sabbath, but if he was a sinner, how could he do that, especially on the Sabbath? I don't get it. What's your problem? Do you want to be his disciples too? Oh, shut up. That's not what we Can't you imagine, in real language, this is written nice. Can you imagine what the conversation really sounded like? This is just the minutes of the meeting. Wow. I'll bet it got livelier than this. Why do you want to hear me say it again? He says, never since the world began. He gives a little amateur theology. We know that God does not listen to sinners. The man was a little mistaken there. But if we want the light that is in Jesus Christ, we need not to love the sin more. We need not to be so in love with the darkness that we won't accept the light of the gospel. Even if it means, and sadly in our culture, it can be in your workplace, it can be in a school. Don't talk about that. Don't confess that that had anything to do with your life. We don't talk about faith in the public square. The First Amendment says I don't have to listen to you. First Amendment says I can say it, though. No, it doesn't. It's in the public, in the workplace, or I'm in school, or anywhere. Nothing shuts off the blessings of Christ or the ability to say it. This man stuck by it. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. What more proof do you need? He's called him a prophet because the prophets did miraculous signs. Not this strong, but that's how you marked a prophet who spoke from God. He, he did miraculous things. Now, I mentioned my daughter's scoliosis. I haven't seen, bear witness to a lot of dramatic, miraculous healing. That one happened very quietly. I've seen others, great and small, happen very quietly. And we need to give praise to God when it does. Even if the healing's inside, maybe it's of heart, maybe it's of mind, maybe it's of relationship where Jesus can shine the light. He is the light of the world. He says, while I'm here, studies have shown that kids accept Jesus and profess their faith easily when they're young, strongly when they're teenagers. Then they go away to college. It's not just college, it's the age. 
The less young a person gets, I'm sensitive about the word old, the less young a person gets, the harder it is to give up the sinful life or the distracted life of the world or the making a living or the tending to a family or all the things that distract us, it's harder to accept the light of Christ the less young we get when Jesus says, while I'm with you. We can't let ourselves grow distant. We need to let him do what we need done. I don't know if it means mud in your eye. Maybe that's where that toast comes from. I don't know. But it doesn't necessarily have to mean mud in your eye. But to let Jesus heal, let Jesus bring light into our lives, our relationships, our very hearts and souls. This man stuck by his faith in Jesus. And I had to have a little mercy on Paul, let him stop reading. But the story continues. He was excommunicated. He was thrown out of the community of faith of his birth and would not renounce his faith in the one who had healed him. How strong are we, the faith of the one who heals us? I pray we are, but I'm the preacher, I gotta ask that we hang on to that no matter parents hang us out to dry, I hope not. This community is not gonna toss anybody out lightly, that's for sure. Certainly not for testifying to the love of Christ and his healing mercy in your life. I pray others won't either. Let the light in. Jesus is the light of the world. We prepare during this season of Lent for the greatest demonstration of that love, grace, and mercy that God could provide. Let's prepare well and let Christ's light into our hearts to understand how wondrous that gift is. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen. And amen.